All right, everyone, welcome back in to the Wobcast 2.0. It's episode 13. It's grounding the Jets. That's what the Vikings have done. They are victors 27 to 22. They move to 10 and 2, and we are here for it. We're here to talk about it. It's Giles, it's Chase, it's Wobby. Welcome in. Guys, the Vikings are 10 and 2. <sighs> 10 and great. 2. They've won 10 of 12 games, guys. How are we yep. feeling? I feel fantastic. If you would have told me that we'd be 10 and 2 at this point in the season before the season, I would have been through the roof ecstatic. I was uh, I was told growing up to keep your hands at 10 and 2 while driving, so hopefully we can keep this bus moving on. That's right, exactly right. Chase, I don't, how we I don't care how we're winning games cuz we got 10 wins, so Okay. So, <laughs> you know happy. what? Let's talk about how how the Vikings are winning games because you know, I think all season it's been You've had a subsection of the fan base that's all in every time, no matter what they win, they love it. They're feeling good, but you've got a, a subset of the, of the base that is like, this is too good to be true. I don't believe how good this is. Um, Miami didn't have Tua. uh, the saints didn't have Jameis, uh, Detroit screwed it up by making the, a bad decision. The Redskins had us beat, but we still won. Like you got those, those folks too, right? This one here though. I, I, I don't. I really don't want to hear it from from that second group. I really yep. don't, because we were told. I mean, I don't know if anyone watched pregame shows, and I, I don't put much stock into this, but like, it was it was most people were like the Jets are going to upset the Vikings here, mm -hmm. and this is a legit defense, and finally the Vikings are going to play a real a really good defense. You have the caveat of it being Mike White and a backup quarterback, and just someone that people aren't impressed with. Um, and they'll say, you know, another easy quarterback for the Vikings. They skate by again. They got outgained again, and they, and they still won the game. But, you know, the offense to me looked like the offense usually looks, which is good. Uh, they scored 27 points. You'll take that, especially against this defense and the secondary. But I got to say, I, I don't want to hear the criticism of the Vikings defense really this week. One of six, the Jets offense was in the red zone. Mm -hmm. And three of 16 on third downs, guys. I don't know what the PFF grades are going to say, but all in all, this was, to me, one of my favorite performances by the defense. I could not agree more. I think on both sides of the ball, there's definitely accolades to go around. If you look mm -hmm. at uh, the Minnesota Vikings offense versus the Jets defense, going into that game, in my opinion, the Jets, uh, well, they were number one and number two in a lot of categories. They probably have the best secondary in football. Uh, for the last, I believe, eight or nine games, they're averaging 13 points allowed. And we scored 27 on them. Wow. Like, that is not something that should be go, uh, gone understated. We scored double the amount they literally, or they, they yeah. usually offer. So yeah. I think there's a huge accolade to give to the Minnesota Vikings offense. Um, there were times where we didn't necessarily look great, but I think you can say that about every team in the NFL. There's going to be periods of the game where they do not look as well as you want them to, but the point is you come out ahead uh, and you're able to score a number of points to be able to win on the defensive side of the ball. I completely agree. I think they had one of their best performances of the entire season. Um, through the majority of the game, they were shutting them out. Uh, where I mean, they had very, very few points. And in the second half, a lot of people are criticizing that they they gave up way too many points in a little bit of amount of time. But really, there was maybe two to three plays that they gave up that were really big. That were bad. Don't get me wrong. They were uh -huh. bad. But if you take two or three of those plays out of the game, they don't they don't score on any of those things. So it's not like they were giving up all these these plays and plays. It was three plays they gave up, which you're going to have that happen occasionally, right? Yeah. Um, it's just being completely realistic. So I'm very, very impressed with the, yeah. the Vikings as a whole. 
So how about you, Chase? Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, Chase, you go ahead. Anything for you to add? Yeah, defense looked stout, man. It was it was um, fun to watch because there was a couple of times in the game where they would just get down right down into the red zone and and we held. I think they what, hit, hit five field goals, and I would much rather have have them score five field goals and five touchdowns. So I, it's a really yeah. impressive thing to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I um uh, so we're singing the same tune here, guys. I I don't think this is unanimous. I think there are folks out there who are discouraged, who are being critical of the defense, and they have the right to do that. And you're right, Giles. There were some plays given up there that were bad, and then there was a near miss, two two near misses that were almost fatal. The fourth down in the end zone from mm-hmm. Barrios. I mean. I'm not going to say he should have caught that because I think two Vikings defenders touched the football on that play as well. It looked like to me, I think Kendrick's got his hand on it at I the agree. very end. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that that probably could have been a catch there. And then earlier in the game, Garrett Wilson had one that was maybe a finger too far for him <laughs> that, that Patrick Peterson got burned on. But these are things that happen in the course of a game, every game yep. to every yep. team. And they do say football is a game of inches. And those are two examples right there. Literally two plays that came down to an inch. Um, that would have altered the course of the game or the outcome of the game, perhaps. But um, at the end of the day, I'm looking at the Jets drive chart right now. Okay. And this is how the first half went for them. Four plays, interception, 12 plays, good drive, got a field goal, five plays, punt, five plays, punt, six plays, turnover on downs, six plays, field goal, eight plays, field goal. I mean, the Vikings defense put the team and the offense in a position to destroy the New York Jets by Mm -hmm. 20 or 30. That's mm-hmm. what the Vikings defense did in the first half. And the yep. offense, the Vikings offense was not able to convert on all that. They did, yep. they got a field goal after the Harrison Smith interception, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they scored a couple of touchdowns in the first half. But I don't think the Vikings offense poured the gas on the fire here. And I think the Vikings defense put the team in a position to have a blowout victory. And for once, the offense couldn't match what the defense was doing um, for that. All yep. things being equal or all things being said, Giles, you're right. To put up 27 against this Jets defense at the end of the day is good. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a defensive performance that's sort of masked a little bit by the offense's inability to take advantage of great defensive play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I will say uh, special teams did a, a decent job as well. So across the board, I think we were able to to muscle through it. And that even on the offensive side of the ball, uh, we didn't have Christian Derrissaw again against one of the best or one of the better yeah. defensive lines in football. Yeah. Um, I think we did a decent job protecting Kirk. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm really optimistic for once Christian Derrissaw comes back as we tail out the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, at least for the first half, I think we got more pressure in that first half than we've had in any other half in the entire season. Sure. We got great pressure. Um, so I was really excited to see that us dialing that up because we're one of the lowest blitz rate uh, teams in the entire NFL. And I think that's partially for a reason. Um, our secondary isn't necessarily in a place where we can always punish that. They can punish yeah. us more times than not. Um, so I think they're trying to be diligent about when and when they don't uh, blitz. But uh, we were able to get pressure uh, pretty effectively. So that was really yeah. exciting to see. Um, last thing I'll, or t- two more things, I guess on an individual level, um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the PFF grades for Harrison Smith because yeah. my gut tells me he played well. I don't know mm-hmm. if the grades will bear that out, but from a, an influential standpoint, from a, you know, put your, your, your mark on the game. And it's not just the interception. I felt like Harrison Smith was a presence in the game. Um, and, and then, I agree, Mark. okay. And then I liked, um, 
you know, I think it was 29 runs guys that they had. And I don't know how many of those were cousins scrambles, which aren't really runs <laughs> like in, in terms of like traditional run game. Yeah. In terms of like making the defense defend the run. So mm -hmm. I, I have to look and see, I can, I can find it really fast here. Cousins had, uh, well, he had three carries. So I'm guessing yeah, all say. three were scrambles. I would guess mm -hmm. Yep. none of those were designed runs. So no. 26 called runs. Yep. Um, I think is is inching closer to where you should be if you're a playoff team in December. Um, so, um, and then lastly, I guess uh, times through or part three, I believe Cousins started 0 for 5. Is that true? He did. Yep. Okay. Did not have a great start, yep. at least from the past standpoint. So that wasn't awesome. Um, and he only finished with 173 yards. But previous renditions of Kirk Cousins with the Vikings starting 0 for 5 was a disaster of a game and I think he was able to sort of just stop the bleeding mm -hmm. and and level it off a little bit finished 21 to 35 yep. but he had no picks and yep. again only two sacks and so I think the Vikings offense showed the ability to after a really sluggish start to not just tank and submarine yep. it yeah, um, I could not so. agree more. And that's actually one of the biggest reasons why I'm so in love with this team this year. Beyond being a, a born and bred Minnesota Vikings fan, the, the bias of emotion that that comes with. Logically, this team has found significantly more ways to win this season than previously. Because mm -hmm. before, we were run first, and if we couldn't run first, all of it would fall apart. And this season, we've found ways to win in a lot of different ways. I think we were a little bit more run first this, way, uh, this, this past week. Um, JJ ended the... Uh, the game with less than 50 yards, uh, which wasn't a train wreck, but they definitely limited him in some categories. Um, they didn't completely take him out of the game, but we definitely relied on the run game. Uh, and I think the point is we are built to win multiple ways because when you're trying to go deep into January into February, you need to be able to combat a lot of different types of teams because it's a it's a game of matchups, right? Where one week you're going to have one matchup here that's highly lucrative, and the next week it's going to be completely different. So yeah, being yes. built to withstand all those different types when it gets to playoff time, I think is incredibly intriguing. Yep, agreed. So, you know, and and I don't think you're going to run into many defenses that are this salty and, and this able to cover up a lot of different things. So mm -hmm. here's kind of an anecdotal example of something I saw that really stuck out to me. The Jets have two really good corners. I mean, one is a budding superstar with Gardner. Mm -hmm. And the, yep. the the cat on the other side is good, too, I think. Yep. Still Pro Bowl level, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. So it's like, all right, so you got good cover guys in the secondary. You might take away our, our stud wide receivers. But we're going to have these um, these tight ends and you know curls and in the flats. And we're going to use the backs in the passing game. We're going to bootleg a little bit. Well, the Jets mm -hmm. covered that up, too. There was yep. three or four design bootlegs for Cousins, and he had someone in his grill immediately. Yeah, you know? a couple more corners. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It, like it's it's unusual that a defense could cover up all those things um, mm -hmm. in the same game. The Jets can do that. Not many can. No. Um, so I think it's going to be pretty rare when Cousins has 173 yards and Jefferson only has 45 and none of the other guys step up because Jefferson was nailed down. So yep. – this is a great week for the defense to have its, to me, one of its mm -hmm. best performances of the season. It saved the game. It saved yep. it, what could have been a home loss could have to been. the Jets, yep. you know? Yep. And so to me, I, I come away um, with that. Special teams wise, I continue to be impressed, guys, um, with the Vikings and how buttoned up they are in special teams. There was nothing sensational 
yeah. um, like we saw last week with the kickoff return touchdown. But there's just they're not leaking yardage on special yeah. teams. They're not giving up lots of big returns. They'll mm-hmm. they'll sting the opposition for a nice return every now and then. Never a touchback when the Vikings punt. Never. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, never. so that's awesome. Perfect placement. I, I, yeah. I think um, I was going to say Zerline, uh, but I think Joseph um, made a 51 yarder. Was it 51? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, he, 51. He, yep. yeah, he hit from distance. So I know the kicking, the place kicking game is a little suspect at times, but overall um, special teams of late has been good. They were yep. very good against the Patriots and it's hard to be good on special teams against the Patriots. And, they were good here against yeah. the Jets. So um, I believe they actually had their best game all season against the Patriots. They scored an sure. 80.9 PFF grade against the okay. Patriots, which was phenomenal. So, uh, and I think when you look across all the, the rest of the league, a lot of kickers have issues throughout the course of the year, right? Mm-hmm. There's no team with perfect kicking. Even uh, Justin Tucker has games where he's not necessarily great. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a phenomenal player, but no team is without kicking issues. And yeah. I think as of yesterday... Uh, Chris Boyd was actually leading the league in Pro Bowl votes for a special teams player. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. So Chris Boyd is having a phenomenal Pro Bowl level year, which is uh, a really great thing to see. Yep. Um, So those were some of the high points for me, guys. Um, We're we're recording pretty early in the week here, folks. So we do not have the PFF grades, but I'd be interested in either of your perspectives or guesses on, on some of those grades that'll stand out high or low. I think Harry is going to grade out high. That'd be my, mm-hmm. my suspicion there. Um, um, offensively, um, it, it will not surprise me if, if Dalvin um, grades out okay. Mm-hmm. And we might get an interior lineman or two who grade out okay. Um, yeah. Because I was wondering if there were going to be some game wreckers on the interior for the Jets, and I, I just didn't see it. So I'm wondering they if Ed, Ed Ingram is going to grade out pretty well here. Those would be my guesses on the grades. Yeah, 100%. I think after last week, Ed Ingram actually got above a 70 grade in pass protection, which, I mean, was one game, don't get me wrong, if you viewed it in a vacuum, was great, view it on the course of the season. Is it a blimp? I'm really excited to see the grades come out to see if he's able to stack those things on top of each other, because mm-hmm. I've been saying it all season. I believe he has the potential to be a great right guard. He's just making rookie mistakes. He's he's not identifying what's coming at him, and he's mis misdeploying his assets, so to speak. Uh, So if you can get that mental part right, you'll be a phenomenal player because he has the strength and the size to be able to be a phenomenal right guard, which if that is the case, you bring our our offensive line unit up into a top five or top 10 category, in my opinion, which is phenomenal considering who who you have under center. Um, You know, like we've mentioned before, Kirk Cousins is who he is. He has tremendous strengths and tremendous weaknesses. And if you're trying to win with him, you need to keep him protected, period. That is one of the formula requirements in order to win. And I think we've done a decent job thus far. Uh, On defense, I completely agree on Harry. Harrison Smith, I think he had a phenomenal game. Um, I think a lot of people have been talking about the fact that he has lost a step and that he's getting old and blah, 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 blah. And I do think he's a high-played player, which may not necessarily exist into the next season at current cap hit. Uh, But I do think... Uh, when you look at it, he's been playing under Mike Zimmer and under a a 4-3 defense for his entire career. And this is the first time in his entire career that he's been asked to change schemes, which he's a smart player. But for any player, when you've been doing something for that long and asking them to switch it, that is a process. And I think far more of his struggles, so to speak, have been scheme learning related than it is at all related to his competency or his ability to perform. And I think yesterday was an example of that. He can still be a phenomenal safety. He's just learning the system and trying to get up to speed, which if you're going to have anyone get up to speed at any time, now is the time. If you're going to yep. start clicking, I'm glad it's right now. Yep, agreed. Um, game management stuff. I 
um, I really, I like looking at it, studying it, observing it and mm-hmm. opining on game management. It's something that, um, I'm able to, you know, discuss with people. And I think Giles, you and I have had lots of discussions about it and not everyone is good at it and, mm-hmm. but it's a valuable thing to be good at. And I love, I love it. Um, talking about it there, I, there aren't any issues. I mean, there are no big snafus by Kevin O'Connell and his staff. Am I missing anything? Okay. So you're, you're, you're not in your head there. So. Yeah. The only thing that I was questioning at the moment, but I think in hindsight worked out was at the very end of the game, when we decided to run it three times in a row, when we were in the, in, in uh, the opposite end zone, uh, when there was, I forget how much time left. It was uh, towards the end where we had to give the ball back. And that was a, a requirement for us to stop them. I was expecting us to try to be a little bit more aggressive on getting out of the end zone and continue on the clock to maintain for the rest mm. of the game. Yeah. Uh, that was the only questionable, you know, game management call to just run it three times in a row. Um, but at the end of the day, it worked out. Um, and, uh, you know, he, like you mentioned, uh, pretty much every week, he has uh, forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. So I know. Uh, that was the only thing I was like, oh, is this really uh, the best game plan to run it three times in a row? But they're also in the end zone. You didn't want to run a safety. I get it. Exactly. Know? Let's let's talk about that a little bit here, because um, I this is good football fodder. I'm I'm scrolling through the play by play. I want to get to it here. So the situation you're talking about, Giles, is the Vikings had the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. Their possession started with a minute forty three to go in the game. Yes. Where um, and this is after the Braxton Berrios incompletion slash drop in the end zone, which would have given the Jets a lead and didn't happen. So the Vikings take over on their own one yard line. Mm-hmm. And this is, and the Jets had three timeouts. And so with 143 to go, your choices are run the ball three straight times, take almost no time off the clock, but use up all of the Jets' timeouts. Mm-hmm. That's one choice. Make them burn all their timeouts and give them the ball back. The other choice is run the risk of giving them a timeout or of giving them one timeout, but, but the third down pass play is a potential game-winning play. Mm-hmm. So, and it was third and seven on your own five. So at that point in time, you can dial up something to Jefferson or Thielen or Hawkinson for Mm -hmm. an eight-yard gain or more and win the game. The Mm -hmm. risk is an incompletion. You have to punt with a minute and a half to go, and the Jets have a timeout. Yeah. So that's what you're looking at there. Yeah. So my my thought there is if I am O'Connell and the opposition needs a field goal to tie it or win it, um. I might they were down go, by five, weren't they? Yeah, I At might point, go. Yeah. Yep. yep, I might go for the dagger there. Yeah, um, that's where I might go for it. Okay. Um, but because they were going to have to go the whole length of the field with mm-hmm. no timeouts and score a touchdown. Yep. I I feel like I'm going to play defense there. That's fair. And so maybe maybe that's what yeah. O'Connell what O'Connell is thinking. That uh, definitely makes sense. Yeah. Th- that's in, probably the most interesting game management scenario in that game. Mm-hmm. And for the balance of the season, I, I have not seen major screw ups by O'Connell and his staff clock management wise. And so um, that's something that they have working in their favor this season as well. Yep. I think that and special teams has contributed to a significant portion of our success this year because yeah. we played some really good teams. We have a relatively difficult schedule in contrast to the rest of the year or rest of the league. Um, we've played some really close games. And I think if you don't make some of those uh, time management decisions that we did in contrast to what they could have been and what we've been able to do from a special team standpoint, uh, that has led to a, a big portion of our success, period. Yep. yep. 
Okay. Um, let's put this one away unless I missed anything. Anything you want to touch on before we put this, this victory behind us? No, on to week 14. Okay. Uh, and that will be the Detroit Lions, guys. The resurgent Detroit Lions, I might add, who have won four of their last five. Yep. Victories over Green Bay at home, at Chicago, at the Giants, and home against the Jaguars. The only blemish in that the last month for them has been a tight loss at home to the Bills on Thanksgiving, right? That was on Thanksgiving, Correct. yeah. Yep. Um, so a three-point loss at home to the Bills on Thanksgiving. And a Other close than, game, I might add. Yeah, so um, – and then the Vikings were on the ropes against the Lions earlier this season. Really, the Lions mm-hmm. should have won the game, if not for an awful game management call on the Lions' part. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a 40-14 to 14 pounding that the Lions put on the Jaguars last week. So the Lions are not afraid of the Vikings. They are hosting the Vikings, and they have their eye on a wild-card spot. So you are going to get the Lions' best shot here on Sunday at Ford Field when the Vikings travel there uh, to try and clinch the NFC North. I don't think there's any doubt the Vikings will be in the playoffs, and there's really no doubt they'll clinch the NFC North, but they can make it official by defeating the Lions next week. I see a high-scoring offense. I see a fairly leaky defense, and I Mm -hmm. see a motivated Lions team with the arrow pointing up. That's what the Vikings are up against, high level. That's what I see. What do you guys see? Yeah, I could not agree more. I think it'll be a very high scoring game across the board mm-hmm. um, because up until you know midseason, uh, the Lions were the number one scoring uh, offense in the league. Now they had a little bit of a, a drought there in the middle there, but uh, they have the ability to score points. And I, I simply think we're going to have a lot of points put on the board. I think it'll be an interesting storyline to follow TJ Hawkinson. One, because oh, it's a yeah. revenge game from him. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, he was a pretty decent part of their offense. And I'm really intrigued to see what learnings that he can provide to our Minnesota Vikings to try to stop them on defense. Sure. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Chase? Yeah, I'm really interested to watch um, TJ Hawkinson back in Detroit, but... Where where my eyes are kind of going is um, the matchup of Patrick Peterson and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I think that's where we're going to win this game. I think okay. that he carries a big, big load. Uh, St. Brown carries a big load um, for the Lions offense. And I think if you can take him out of the game, I think it will be a lot easier for us to leave there with a the dub. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 12 targets last week against the Jags. This is what he did with those 12 targets. 11 catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns. All right. So that's my fantasy team. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So he's a problem. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jared Goff, 31 of 41, 340 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, sacked only twice on 41 dropbacks, guys. That's once every Slinging 20 dropbacks. It. Yep. Um, yeah. And they do have a good offensive line, Giles, right? I mean, you've talked about the Lions offensive line as being top 10 in the league. They, they grade out well PFF wise. Oh, yeah. So, top three even. I mean, okay, uh, yeah. certain weeks they're number one, but they're definitely top three across the board. And I think looking back to the 2018 season, Jared Goff, when protected, uh, when protected is uh-huh. very, very good. He's not an amazing quarterback across the board, but when protected, he can definitely sling the ball. Yeah. I think you'd say great system. Great. You'd, you'd call him a system quarterback, right? Like Correct. when he was in McVay's system and insulated, he was pretty good. And yeah. it appears that when he's insulated and protected here, his numbers are good at least. So. Correct. Yep. With an aggressive coach, uh, when all things are going right for him, I would call him a die Kirk Cousins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I love that. Um, That's good. Yeah. All right. Let, <laughs> let's peek around um, the division here a little bit or the conference, really. Let's peek around the NFC. 
Um, what, what developed yesterday for the Vikings was mostly neutral, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. because the Cowboys won, the Eagles won, but the Vikings also won. So um, really not much movement there. Now, the Cowboys are worth watching because the Vikings want the Eagles to stumble, so the Vikings get the one seed. But if the Eagles stumble is due to the Cowboys' resurgence, then it sort of just all comes out in the wash because the Vikings lost to the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. they would lose that tiebreaker as well. So mm-hmm. um, the Vikings need both the Eagles and Cowboys to stumble. Now the Vikings are one game ahead as it stands right now of the Cowboys. So they would, the Vikings would need to stumble a couple of times, but anyway, um, nothing really happened standings wise positively or negatively for the Vikings. What I will say, however, is there's a development out in the Bay Area that's not good for San Francisco. That is good for the Vikings, and that is Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo breaking his foot. He's out for the year. The yeah. Niners are a team that are they are currently two games behind the Vikings, and were a candidate to jump up and steal a seed. Mm-hmm. And now I don't think they are. With all due respect to Brock Purdy and their victory yesterday, um, over the last month of the season in December and early January, I, I don't see that continuing uh, yeah, for that's Purdy a and the Niners. Killer. Yep, that that one stinks. And look, they're already at eight wins. They're they're going to get in as a, either a wild card, most likely, or a division winner if they can hold off the Seahawks. But I mean, you know, they're going to go into a playoff game with Brock Purdy. So um, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm looking at it as a challenge, um, you know, and trying to psych <laughs> myself up. But if you're a 49er faithful right now, you're you're super bummed out. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the other division leader right now. They are no threat to the Vikings from a seed perspective, but they do play tonight against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the NFC South is far from decided, and that game is a significant one for that division, but not for anyone else in the NFC. The yeah. Vikings are looking up at the Eagles and no one else, and the Cowboys are nipping at their heels. Lots of NFC East bloodshed to come here um, in the last month of the season. Uh, they play each other um, a lot. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles, um, who defeated the Cowboys earlier in the season, will get the Cowboys' best shot here in a couple of weeks. When is that game? Is that next week? I um, believe it's week 15, isn't it? Okay, so that's going to be Almost one to watch. Five. Yeah. Um, uh, eight, 18, 17. Yeah, it is. So um, I think the Vikings are in really good shape for the two seed, guys, is kind of what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. And if – like you look at the way it stands right now, it's it's Eagles, Vikings, Cowboys, Niners. Mm-hmm. If something were to change, the most likely change in my view is the Vikings jumping the Eagles. That's yep. the most likely change if there is one. I the agree. second most likely change is a flip-flop of the Eagles and Cowboys and the Vikings stay at two. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those two things, I think. That's Mm -hmm. sort of how I see it. Any other NFC observations when you take a look at the playoff chase? Um, Honestly, I really think that second one that you just said is a very likely scenario. I think the Cowboys could definitely pass the Eagles. I think they're the best team in football right now. Um, I mean, did you watch the game last night? That was a little bit of a scoregami with the Colts. But I think they're (laughs) – I do not want to see them again. So, (laughs) Yeah. Not not a great matchup for the Vikings. Mm -hmm. Um, And we saw that. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said for you're the team that beat a team in the regular season once, and now you got to play them in the playoffs and beat them again. That's not fun. You Mm -hmm. know, that that's not a great task to have to do. 
Um, one of those two teams, the Eagles or Cowboys, are going to have to do it, though, to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that there's going to be a Vikings versus Eagles or Vikings versus Cowboys playoff matchup this year, or both. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, I think, I think I'd, I'd rather play the Eagles, honestly, in contrast to the Cowboys. Yeah, you might be right there. Um, so um, I think we're a little too far out to speculate for more than a minute on this, but you look at what's likely to happen for the Vikings in the playoffs. It's probably a giants or commanders first round game. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I would agree. Um, Cause I think the commanders are starting to get better and the giants are starting to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to pick, I would much rather play the giants <laughs> uh, for yeah. obvious reasons. Um, now divisional games are always a little interesting. I think that's partially why they tied yesterday. Um, but I do think the commanders are starting to become a better team. They have a tremendous defense. Their defensive line is scary. Uh, and yep. it's a mismatch for the Vikings, absolutely. Um, so definitely something to watch. Yep. Um, the other first-round matchup that is potential is the Seahawks. They're 7-5. Mm-hmm. and five. However, I think they have a shot to jump up and catch the Niners and win that mm-hmm. division. At yep. that point, then it would be the Niners who would – potentially be a first round matchup for the Vikings who with Jimmy G I would say is an awful matchup for the Vikings. You don't want to see the Niners. No. I don't think best without Jimmy in football G, right now. Yes. Without Jimmy G, I think it, that it's not so much that um, mm-hmm. the defense is still the defense, but the offense isn't going to put as much pressure on you when the, their defense gives them a short field. They're not going to take advantage of it as easily as they would with Jimmy G. So mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit easier of a game now than it, it might've appeared to be. So, yeah. Um, all right. We've been doing top 10 lists lately guys and putting them on social and it generates conversation. I can tell you that. Um, so chase, I don't know if you've decided what we're doing this week for a top 10. Have you? Uh, I'm debating between two right now. Uh, okay. I'm looking at running backs, but I saw a lot of guys in your Twitter comments, not liking your comment about the uh, Adam Thielen. So yeah. I'm considering wide receiver twos as well. Oh, I like yeah. that. Should we do that one? Okay, very good. All right, we'll see what Chase drums up to drum up some absolute vitriol coming at yours truly on Twitter, which I take it in in good faith. It's fun. It's actually it's it's a really fun part of of what we do, is generating that conversation. So I look forward to the text from chase that says all right give me your top blank or give me the most likely blank and we come up with a list and we put it out there on social media it's fun to talk about it so um all right pff grades come out yet giles i know Uh, you're just refresh mashing refresh right now on your browser nothing yet unfortunately we'll have to wait until next time but i'm definitely uh raring to see what those things look like because i think uh we're gonna see some nice uh green colors there for the vikings well we will also put the pff grades out on social right when they Mm -hmm. when they come out all right so yeah folks we'll have them out uh later today or tomorrow okay very good all right my notebook is empty guys anything else for you no let's continue this victory monday streak kind of fun isn't it yeah All right. Uh, Victory Mondays are fun, and so is doing this for all of you guys. The Wobcast 2.0 episode 13 is over. More to come, though, as the Viking season continues. We hope you subscribe, like, and follow and listen to all of our content. You can um, catch the Wobcast 2.0 wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, etc. We're on YouTube at Wobby on Twitter, therealwobcast at gmail.com. Those are the places to find us when we're not talking directly to you on the Wobcast 2.0, and we hope 
that you do that. My thanks as always to Giles and Chase for doing a great job behind the scenes and making this thing tick. And my thanks to you guys for listening on behalf of Giles and Chase. This is Wabi signing off for now. Skull Vikings.